morning. All right. Uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Jim uh, today is down at our Detroit campus. If you are new to Woodside or maybe you're just not aware of this, uh, Woodside Bible Church is one church in 14 locations across Metro Detroit. And some of our campuses have the responsibility to kind of oversee, coach, resource, and support other campuses. And so Lake Orion, we have two campuses that we kind of provide resources to, coaching, training, and that's our Detroit campus and our White Lake campus. So Pastor Jim is down there with Pastor Fickray, uh, just trying to be there for support and encouragement and also to see what ministry is like down in Detroit, which can be very different than ministry up here in Lake Orion, which is different than ministry in White Lake, which is different than ministry in Troy. And so it's one of the beauties of being a part of Woodside Bible Church in that we represent so many different demographics and so many different cultural places and just life is different in all of these places all within a 20 to 30 mile radius. So anyway, that's where he is today. And uh, speaking about people, I wanted to take a moment this morning as well and introduce you to somebody who's brand new to our Lake Orion staff. We have a new full-time ministry director. Her name is Cassie Thomas. Cassie, are you, Cassie's standing over there. You can wave. Yeah. Uh, so Cassie is coming to us from our Troy campus, and she has a background in ministry. Uh, she, even though she's coming from the Troy campus, she originally hails from the great state of Georgia. So uh, hopefully all of the Southerners will continue to come to Lake Orion. I'm originally from Texas. She's from Georgia. The South is taking over. It's a great thing. Uh, but no, we're super excited for Cassie. She's going to be helping us just engage with you. Uh, over the last several months, we have noticed just God continues to bring people. And if you're a guest here today, uh, recognize that you're here for a reason, that God put us on your mind for some reason, that you decided to come to church at a castle for some reason, and we want to get to know you. But over the last few months, we've had between 900 and 1,000 people every Sunday. That's a lot of people for us to get to know. And so part of Cassie's role is she's going to be some of that first touch, that first look, just simply saying hi to you, getting to know you. She's a very sociable person, at least I hope so, from all of our interviews. Um, but I just want to encourage you, after service today, down in the lobby, just swing by, say hi to her, especially if you're a long-timer here at Lake Orange, say hi to her. And also, if you are a long-timer here begin to pray for her because she has to work with me and Pastor Jim. And so if you know us well, we are, I mean, we're great bosses, we're great leaders. So anyway, we're super excited for God bringing her to our team. Um, and yeah, as Tiffany said, we are in the middle of this sermon series, just kind of asking questions, asking for a friend. And what we did on social media was throw the question out there and just try to get responses from people. And we took all the responses and we analyzed them to say what common themes are popping out from these questions. And then based off of those themes, we made the decision on some different topics for us to discuss. And last week we talked about prayer. And like, what do you do when you don't think that God's actually listening to your prayer? And that was a question that came up a lot from people, whether they were a part of our church or even from the outside. And another interesting one, um, it was very simple, and it said, what do you do when the Bible is super boring and you don't want to read it? This is a question that came up over and over and over again. If you want to be bold and brave, you can raise your hand and say, I was the one that put that in. <laughs> Nobody? Okay, that's fine. Uh, I may or may not have done that as well. Um, and another one that we're going to talk about next week is, is anxiety 
a sin. So that's what we're going to cover next week. But for today, we're going to look at what do you do when the Bible's boring? What do you do when you think about reading God's word, when you maybe make every effort and intention to sit down and read it and you open it or you're looking at it and you're like, what do I do with this? I don't really want to read the lineage of David or I don't really want to read the Chronicles or I don't really want to read all of these Levitical laws because some of them are really scary and I don't know if they really apply to today. Or maybe it's a thing of, I don't know if I really want to read the book of Revelation because it's like a science fiction novel and I hate science fiction and I have no idea how to understand it. The reality is, is that when it comes to God's word, when it comes to the Bible, lots of people struggle with it. Lifeway, which is a Christian organization, they did a research uh, uh, project back in 2021. And they found that 26 million people stopped reading their Bible in the year 2021. Just think about that for a moment. 26 million people. Now maybe make it a little bit more personal for you. Have you ever stopped reading God's word? I have. And I'm going to guess that maybe some of you have too, right? Where you're just like, I'm just burned out. I open it up, I start to read, and then I fall asleep. Anybody ever fall asleep reading God's word? Be honest. Come on. Thank you for being honest. There, all right, my man. There you go. Way to be honest, little dude. Um, right? Like sometimes that happens for whatever reason. You just get bored maybe and you fall asleep. Or maybe you have every intention of sitting down and reading God's word, but then you get that little notification on your phone. Maybe it's somebody commented on a photo of yours. Maybe somebody posted something and it's letting you know this new person posted. Maybe it's your B-reel and you're like, oh, I got to get my B-reel out. And I got to make sure to take a photo of what I'm doing right now. But then you get sucked into the void of social media and, and you stop. If you don't know what B-reel is, I just learned about it, but it's been around for like a year. So we're in the same boat. But there's lots of different reasons, a lot of different issues that come up that we all kind of deal with and everybody's a little bit different and that's okay. And so what we're gonna do, and again, this is kind of a unique series where um, there's not a passage in the Bible that says, when thou struggleth with reading thine word, here's what you should do. The Bible doesn't have anything like that in there. But what it does have is it has very clear principles and very clear realities of what God's word truly is what God's word is meant to do in the life of a believer, and also as a believer, why we should hold it as a high value thing in our life. And really that's kind of where the conversation starts, is what value have you placed on God's word? I think some of us, actually I don't think any of us would say that, oh, I don't value God's word. Maybe you do. But I think most of us would say, oh, yeah, no, of course, we love the Bible. We love the verses. We love the encouragement we get from it. We love the maybe sometimes challenges we get from it. But what real value do you actually have that's tangible, that is easy to see in your life when it comes to the way in which you view God's word? Do you have a Bible? You're a follower of Jesus. Do you have a Bible? If you do have a Bible, do you know how to use it? 
Some of you may approach God's word and you may say, oh, this is kind of like a textbook. I'm just gonna start at Genesis and read all the way through Revelation each and every single year. And I'm gonna roll with it that way. Some of you in your value of God's word, maybe you're like, you know what? I know it's good and I know it's true, but I have a hard time reading it. So I'm just gonna allow other people to explain it to me along the way. Now, is that a terrible thing? No, that's not a terrible thing. But there's so much more power, there's so much more opportunity that you and I can have when we put the proper value on God's word and when we orient our life in reflection of that value. So as I said already, it's a little bit of a different sermon series, it's a little bit more topical, but looking at principles of God's word it's hard to overlook Psalm 119. So if you do have your Bible on your phone or you've got a tangible one, open it up to Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119 is, most people believe David wrote it, um, but it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. And it goes through a myriad of stanzas. And there's a whole like literature, or literature approach we could take on this, but we don't have time for that today. But the author is going through all of these different movements in his writing, and he's highlighting different things and different aspects, not only of who God is, but also of his life in reflection of who God is. And then also he takes a moment right towards the beginning in verses 9 through 15 or verse 16, and he kind of is highlighting the reality of God's words. Let's take a look at it. We're going to read the whole passage together right now. Starting at verse nine, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. If you need a passage of scripture to memorize to help you overall in your view of God's word, it's this passage right here. It's this passage for us to kind of evaluate is the words that are in this passage, are they true of me? Do I hold his statutes in high regard? Do I meditate on them? Do I want to speak those things that he has already spoken? This is not only a comforting passage, but it's also kind of a challenging passage. Do we view God? Do we view his word? Do we view his commandments and his statutes and his laws and the things that he has said in this same sort of way? And I think what we can begin to see is God's word it's meant to guide us. It's meant to be a guide for us in this life. Look with me again back at uh, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way, meaning the direction he goes in life, how can a young man keep it pure? By guarding his life according to his word. And with my whole heart, I'll seek you and let me not wander from your commandments. And I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God's word is meant to guide us in life. It's meant to guide us and give us kind of the instruction on where to go, where not to go, 
how to go to those places and then how to live and operate in those places. There were a lot of other topics that came in in that uh, uh, question we sent out on social media. And a lot of those topics dealt with just cultural issues. How, how do I as a believer, how do I respond to a culture that seems to be very anti-God? How do I respond to a culture that seems to be very anti-anything that we find in God's word? How do we navigate life in that way? Do we become loud? Do we become picketers? We stand on the corner with big signs and we yell at culture. We yell at people saying, all of you are wrong. All of you are under judgment. All of you are gonna be punished. Is that the way that believers are meant to respond to these cultural issues? When it comes to relationship struggles, can we go to God's word and find direction in how to navigate relational issues we might have? Hey, I have a really hard time getting along with my spouse. Does the Bible have any guidance and any direction for me in how to navigate that in my marriage? The answer is yes. How do I, how do I navigate the decision of where do I put my kids at school? Because I see objectively what the school is going to teach my children how do I make wise decisions and how do I process through all of these things in order to make the right decision for my kid? Does the Bible speak to that? Yes. <clears throat> what do you do with, let's do a hot topic one, what do you do with the issue of, tra of transgenderism? How do I respond to someone who says they are someone or something different than what they were born as, as a baby? How do I interact with that person? Do I interact with that person? Or do I just run away? How do I talk with that individual? How do I share the love of God with this person? How do I tell them the truth in love? How do I interact with a lifestyle that again is completely opposite of what God's word lays out for us? And so in all of those different scenarios, some of them are kind of spelled out in scripture, but a lot of them are not. Does that mean that the Bible doesn't speak to it? And the answer is yes, the Bible speaks to all of those things. It may not be word for word. It may not be where you can go in the back uh, of your Bible and look up the word transgenderism and then find a book, chapter, and verse that speaks to it. But the principles, the truths, the realities of how God has created man and woman, of how what God calls sin and what God says is righteous, all of those things can be found in God's word, which gives us that guidance in how to navigate and live in this world. So a lot of people, they'll say, you know what, I don't really want to go to church because Church is really boring overall, and when I listen to a message, it doesn't necessarily speak to a particular situation that I'm going through at that point in my life. And I would just kind of respond to that and say, hey, it may not be speaking to the situation that you're currently in, but I can speak at least for Woodside Lake Orion, everything we talk about and everything we present from this stage at some point in your life, you were going to face it. 
And maybe it's not you in particular, but maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a family member. And are you going to be equipped with knowledge of God's word and how to guide that person to the scripture so that that person can be guided by God's word? So when it comes to our value of the Bible, do we really see it as something that can guide us? Do you have that in your vantage point and in your perspective of God's word? The second thing we can see in Psalm 119 is that God's word is meant to shape us. It's meant to shape us. Look with me down at verses 12 through 14. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. These are kind of like, um, teach me your laws, teach me your principles, teach me your um, kind of like the structure of life. That's what statutes can kind of be understood as. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in the way of your testimonies, meaning all the things, God, that you have done, I delight as much in those as I do in all riches. So here the idea, what are you speaking? Jesus talks about this in um, one of his parables in the book of Proverbs. It also speaks about this, but it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And the idea here is that whatever it is that you're intaking, eventually is going to overflow out into your life, right? If I had a little illustration right here, I would just put a cup of water right here. And then I, I would have a jug, an empty cup and a jug of water. And then I would begin to pour that water into that cup. And as it gets higher and higher and higher towards the rim of that cup, eventually what happens? The water just starts to overflow. So the question is, what are you allowing into your heart and into your mind and what is flowing out, what is overflowing in your life? Now, I meet with a lot of people, I talk with a lot of people, and I have never encountered any other pastor, any other ministry leader who could ever confidently say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person is or is not a believer, there's no way to know that. Because I can't look into your heart, I can't look at the condition of your heart, and I can't make any kind of judgment calls on the reality of your heart just by simply looking at you. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can watch your life. I can evaluate the decisions that you make. I can look at the things that you do in your life. And I can make some judgment calls to say, you know what? Based on what they do in their life, I think this person's a follower of Jesus. Or on the flip side, based off of all these things I see in their life, I'm not quite so sure of where they stand with the Lord. Now, I always do my best to go and ask those questions. Hey, help me know a little bit about you. Tell me about your faith journey. Tell me about how you came to know who the Lord is. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. 
to allow that person to kind of share with me the truth of who they are. But think about that maybe as a point of self-reflection. If other people who don't know you watch your life, could they say, based off of your actions, based off of the overflow of what's coming into your heart and mind and the way that you work, the way that you treat your spouse, the way that you treat people in general, the decisions that you make, the way in which you make them, based off of all of these external things, people will see that I am a follower of Jesus. Use that as a point of self-reflection. I know for me, oftentimes, when I find myself really stressed out, I don't know if you know this, pastors get stressed out too, because we're normal human beings. But when I find myself really stressed out, I can usually go backwards and kind of reverse engineer and say, what has my time in God's word been like? Am I meditating on his word? Am I soaking in what it says? Am I intentionally trying to study his word, either for this issue that's going on in work or in life or just in general? And oftentimes when I'm highly, highly stressed, I see that my devotion and my intake of God's word, it's a little bit of a mismatch. When I've talked with different individuals who are dealing with whatever type of sin that they have in their life, guess what you can reverse engineer all the way back to? When was the last time you sat down in front of God's word and let God's word just simply speak to you? Oh, pastor, it's been a long time. Well, that's the first place we're gonna start. Let's sit down, let's open up God's word and let's see what it says. Because we have to embrace the reality that God's word is meant to shape us. The more that we sit and read it, the more that we intake, the more that our life will overflow based off of what it is that's found here in this book. Well, yeah, Pastor Alex, I hear you say that, but man, I'm in First and Second Chronicles and me knowing all the lineage of all these kings, that doesn't really help me very much to know how to make the right decisions at work. Yeah, I would agree with you. I have no idea the correlation that's there. But stay committed to it. Because eventually, and this is just a little side thing, because at some point, what you'll start to discover as you do look at the lineage that's found in First and Second Chronicles, is you'll start to see all of the terrible leaders and terrible people that God used for his kingdom purposes to say this man right here, this woman right here, they are mine, they are my followers, listen to them, even though their history and their past is so terrible. And what you begin to do is you begin to realize God doesn't use the squeaky clean, nice looking, conservative individual for his glory's sake. He uses the broken, he sometimes uses the foul, and he uses people, he transforms their hearts, and he uses them to bring other people into his kingdom because our God is a God of mercy. Our God is a God of redemption. 
So no matter what your past may have been, no matter what it is, God can still use you because your sin is not greater than him and his mercy is so far beyond what you can comprehend. And he says, listen to me, trust me, come to me. We go back to Psalms and you look and you see, it says it's God's kindness that leads us to a place of repentance. Not his judgment, not his wrath, not his anger. It's his mercy, his kindness that brings us to this place where we begin to say, I see the reality of who I am without you. And I see the reality of the need that I have for you. I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn to you and I'm gonna follow you. But which way do I go? God in his wisdom says, here, this is where you go. Come here, open this up and start to see the things that I've done. Not only in history, in the Old Testament, but also see what I'm doing through Jesus and listen to what my son has to say and then listen to what this new movement that Jesus began through his disciples, this thing called the church, listen and look at what this is meant to do for your life as a believer. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point this fact out. Genesis to Revelation, it's all one big story. I've talked about this before. It's called the meta-narrative. It's a big theological term you can share at the water cooler tomorrow. I'm gonna go read the meta-narrative today. Genesis to Revelation, it's all one single story. And the story is God's redemption of his creation. It gives us the very beginning of creation. It gives us the fall of mankind. It gives us this really odd period in time where we're like trying to figure out, God, how do we follow you? How do we stay righteous? And God says, this is what I want you to do for right now. But eventually I'm gonna send someone. I'm gonna send the perfect Messiah to you. Jesus comes in on the scene. Jesus is only doing ministry for three years. For three years. That's all basically that we have recorded in the gospels. Jesus dies, he's buried, he rises again from the grave and he gives commandments to his disciples and says, this is what I want you to do. Go and share this good news that what God started in the beginning, God is bringing to an end. I am part of that end. Share this good news of salvation. Go out and tell people, Share with them all the things that I've taught you and all the things that you've learned from God's word. Share these with people, teach them, instruct them, guide them in it. And remember, I'm gonna be with you until the very, very end of time. So go and share the good news. All of that, Genesis through Revelation, it's all part of the same story. And it's God's plan for us. It's, God, it's God's plan for his creation. And the last reality is that God's word changes us. 
God's word changes us. Look with me at verses 15 through 16. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. To meditate, to fix your eyes, to delight and to not forget. Maybe you found yourself at a point in time where you go and you sit before God's word and you're reading it and you find yourself really thinking about that one verse that you just read. And it causes you to say, I don't live my life this way. I don't know how to live, I don't know how to live my life in this way. Or maybe it's a verse and you say, wow, I have done completely opposite of what this says. I'm in sin right now because I wasn't gentle or because I wasn't kind or because I'm gossiping about this or because I'm focusing and looking at things I shouldn't look at. I'm in a place of sin. I see it very clearly laid out for me here in the scriptures. What do you do with that? How do you respond in that moment? Well, God's word shows us this. Confess your sin and then repent and change. And it's not just changing your behaviors, but it's changing what's down here in our hearts. Hebrews 4, verses 12. Let me turn to it real quick. In the book of Hebrews, the author is kind of giving a little bit more direction on understanding God's word, understanding the testimony of others, understanding the necessity to look to other faith-filled believers and to mimic their life. And then he goes on in verse 12 and he's talking about the word of God. And he says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I think sometimes the reason why we say reading God's word is boring, in reality, it's because it hurts a little too much for us to read it. It pierces a little too much. It stings a little too much. Or we just simply don't wanna be exposed. We don't really wanna have to deal with the reality of who we are when no one else is around, when no one else can see us. We don't wanna have to be exposed, our thoughts, and the desires of our hearts, because deep down we see how offensive we really are towards God. But God loves us, God loves you, and he wants you to be in front of his word, to know his word, to be engaged in his word. Now all of this stuff right here that I just spoke about, these are all really great principles, but how do you actually do it? because sometimes you may hold a really high value of God's word, but it's still really boring for you. And it's not a philosophical issue that you have. 
Let me give you three little quick pointers and like very clear application, okay? First thing, make a plan. Make a plan to read God's word. I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to. Man, I just, I know I love God. I know, I understand who Jesus is, but like, man, when it comes to his word, it's just really hard for me. I'm like, okay, sweet. Is it on your calendar to sit down and read God's word? Well, no, pastor, like, I just want to feel it. Like, I want to be in that moment. I want that vibe to be there. And like, I just really, like, it's got to have the perfect sunlight. I've got to have the right cup of coffee. I've got to just be in the right feelings and zones in order to read God's word. Sometimes I want to ask that person, are you in a relationship? Because I don't know if you know this, but relationships are not all about feelings. Young people who are looking for a relationship, relationships are not all about feelings. Sometimes your feelings fade. Sometimes the person that you think you like, you're really annoyed by them. Sometimes you have to work on your relationship with someone. If you don't have any friends, it may not be that other people are odd or strange. If your marriage is not so great, it may not be your spouse's fault. You got to hold the mirror up and you have to say, do I put in the work in the effort to invest in this relationship? The same thing goes with the word of God, y'all. Make a plan for it. Put it on your calendar. Those of you who work, Lord willing, you have a calendar and you know what your tasks are at your job. If you don't know what your tasks are at your job, it's probably why you're looking for a job right now. Please don't be offended by that, okay? But think about it. We do it in our workplace. Lord willing, we're doing it in our relationships and in our marriages. Why not do it with the word of God? Make a plan for it. Have it on your calendar. And don't start with a two-hour Bible study time. I don't do two-hour Bible study times. Pastor Jim can't do two hours of Bible time. You can tell him I said that. Like, don't, don't start way over here. Be okay saying, you know what? Five minutes. Five minutes for the next three out of five days. Yes, I said three out of five. Monday through Friday. I'm gonna do Monday, Wednesday, Friday for five minutes. I'm gonna read God's word. Do that for a week or two, maybe three. If you need to, do it for a month. Then up it. Go to 10 minutes. Add a day. Now I'm going to do three out of five days or four out of five days, but I'm going to do it for 10 minutes at a piece. And then up it again. Just incrementally build it. I know some of you, you go and you work out and you go to the gym. If you're good at what you're doing in the gym, hopefully you're building incrementally your weights so that you can continue to get stronger, so that you can continue to work on your fitness. Do the same thing with the word of God. If you don't know where to start, start with five minutes. Start with two minutes if you have to. And just build it and make a plan for it. That's the first thing, make a plan for it. Second thing I would say is understand really what you need to do. Have a guide. Please don't do this. Lord, I need your word today. Help me to understand how to love my wife well. Oh, okay, Joshua 8.1. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you. Arise and go see AI. 
How do I apply this to my marriage, Lord? I don't, under, like, do you see what I'm getting at? Don't be the like, God, just show me today what you want me to see. And then open it up. Sometimes is that work? Sure, sometimes. That's not gonna sustain you for the long haul. So have a guide. Tell yourself, you know what? I'm gonna go through the New Testament in the next six months and just go through book, chapter, and verse. Or get a little bit more proactive. Let me show you something on the screen. This is something called a Bible reading plan, okay? Do we have that on the screen? What that shows you is a snapshot of what you're gonna read over the next several months. So month three, day one, I'm gonna read Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. Then I'm gonna read Romans chapter one, verses one through 17. Then I'm gonna read Psalms and then I'm gonna read Numbers. If you do all four of those things, that's gonna take you about 20 to 25 minutes. It's where you're actually reading and kind of understanding. Sometimes what I do with that, I'll just do the New Testament or I'll just do the Old Testament or I'll just do the book of Psalms. There are resources out there that can help you have a guide in what it is that you need to read and what it is that you could be reading. Be smart, don't be emotional. I'm a very emotional person. If I live only on my emotions, I don't get anything done. Ask anybody that works with me. I have, stop laughing, I have to be disciplined and I have to set out for myself, here's what I'm going to do. Otherwise, I'm not gonna feel it in that moment and the coffee is not gonna be the right flavor and it's gonna throw off the whole thing. And the last thing I would say is recognize the tools that are available to you, okay? Bible, right? This is called a book. You can hold it, you can feel it, you can turn pages in it. It has page numbers, it has chapters and verses. Get a book. Okay, there's also a thing called a phone. There are apps that you can get on your phone that have the Bible on them. The YouVersion Bible app is a great, great tool. Built into the app, they have reading plans that you can follow. It also has a feature where it can read the Bible to you. I know some of you use it because it goes off here in the service whenever you open up your Bibles. It's a great voice to hear, right? But look into things like that if you struggle with reading God's word and you think it's boring and you don't know what you're getting from it, don't be ashamed of that. It's not a reflection on how much you love God if you struggle reading his word. It's not a reflection on how strong of a believer you are if you can't recite a hundred verses from memory. God knows you and God in his wisdom says, my people need a lot of help, especially my people who live in the United States of America because they have every distraction, every cultural, political, social conversations that are happening all around them that are completely trying to remove and distract them from me. So I'm going to show my people go and develop an app to help people engage in a digital world. Go and develop a reading plan to help people stay structured and have some purpose in what they're doing with God's word. I, here's something else I'm gonna do. I'm gonna build something called a church. I'm gonna build this church 
And people are gonna gather together and they're gonna have to get to know one another and have relationships with each other. And maybe they're gonna build these smaller little communities called, I don't know, life groups, Bible study classes, where they're gonna be able to be around other believers and say, hey, does anybody else struggle with this? I struggle with this. What do you do? Where do you find it in God's word? How do you, how do you study God's word? How can I study God's word? What can we do about it? God knows you and he knows what your struggle is with him. And he still loves you and he still wants to provide for you. The question is, what do you need to remove out of your life or what first step is it that you need to take? Is it a value issue with how you see God's word? Is it a simple thing as I'm not a planned out person and I need guidance on that? Is it you don't know where to start reading or is it that you don't have the right tools in place? So be encouraged. If you find yourself not reading God's word, if you find yourself thinking it's boring, if you're finding yourself like, I know that there's supposed to be more and I'm tired of listening to Alex and Jim only on Sunday mornings for 35 minutes, 45 when Jim preaches. I know I need something else. And the one little verse bumper stickers I get on Caleb or that I see in my house that are just the same verses I've seen and heard for the last 20 odd years of my life, I need something more. God is saying all of it is here for you. Open it, read it, have somebody help you read it, have a plan. Make a plan. Use different resources and tools. Be a part of a church. Be part of a community that can hold you accountable and encourage you. And recognize that every single thing that you face in your life, it's right here. Maybe it's word for word. And most definitely, every principle of how you address and deal with things in life are found right here. Get God's word, y'all. If you, all you ever do is use an app or an iPad, go get a real Bible. We got a bookstore downstairs, or I'll give you one. Recognize God loves you. He's made a way for you through Jesus. And he says, here are my words, read them, follow them, and I am with you, and I wanna show you the way to go. Let's pray. God, I say it often, but thank you for your word. Thank you that it does give life, it does give direction, it does give meaning, it gives the reality of what we are called to do and how we're called to do it. God, I confess, I, the times I take it for granted, the times when I think, oh, I can get by, it's fine. And that just happens over and over and over again. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the truth that your word is and that it does pierce our heart and our souls. And it's all not out of judgment and discipline, but it's out of your kindness and mercy that we might repent and that we 
would be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the cleansing and the renewing of our hearts as we submit ourselves to your word and we look to you to speak to us through your word. Father, help us be excited about your word if we have no excitement. Help us to be disciplined in approaching your word if we have no discipline. And God, remind us that your word is living and active. And may we see it at play in our life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.